Well, it's good to be here. It is to be in his house. I mean that. It's not a not an just an intro line. I love being in his house. I really, I truly believe in the body and in the church, his body. It is so important that we gather together. We were never meant to do it alone. And the Bible just says it doesn't matter if it's small. It doesn't matter if it's just a little group because the Bible says where two or more are gathered. There I am in the midst of them. But isn't that important? It doesn't mean that you don't have a personal relationship. You are a personal temple for the Lord. But there is something special. The Lord wouldn't have said it if he didn't mean it of the joining together. Because where two or more are gathered, there I am. So there's something special to being gathered. And I'm encouraged every time I come together, it doesn't matter how tired I am and how frustrated I've been with, you know, just life itself or the week or the heat or whatever else, right? Coming together, coming tired. Who has been blessed when you come tired and come anyway on a Bible study night or even into someone's home, but spend time around his word, right? So we just, we just thank you again, Lord, for encouragement today, Lord. And I just pray you build us up, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for a supernatural encouragement, Lord, from you. Lord, give us life today. We don't want to leave the same. We're not leaving, Lord, the person we came in, but we're leaving changed, Lord, by your word in Jesus' name. And I've been taking my text, and I'm going to open right up because I want to get to all of it. And we've been taking our text this last week and into this week from Matthew chapter 28. And it's in verse 18, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus has just died. He has gone to the cross. Jesus has finished with the cross. Jesus has done the cross. He came. Jesus was born. He was born as a baby. He did come into this world human and as a baby. But, and then he lived a life. But then Jesus died. But Jesus didn't stay dead, did he? Jesus rose again, just as he said he would. And he gave the disciples in his new body, in his, in his resurrected body, one last commission. And this is special. This is so special because if these are Jesus's last words, I would say to you that they're all important, but these are probably pretty important. If you had one last breath on your dying bed and you leaned over to whisper to your loved one something, it was probably pretty important. So Jesus tells his disciples, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he already was Jesus, but especially because of the cross, the cross crushed every enemy. The cross, the cross crushed, that's a tongue twister. The cross crushed every single enemy under his blood. It crushed it. And now Jesus is seated at the right hand of God at this very moment. And we are, right? We've preached this before, seated with him when we believe. So the Lord means it. And he says, in that place of authority, in the place where I have the right, come on, God has the right. Jesus had the right. And he said, go. Everybody say go. And everybody loves preaching the go part. I've heard the go part preached throughout my life. The go is good. The go is good. But there's more to the go. It's not just go. And it's not just go and preach. You can find the account in Mark that's go and preach the gospel. And there is a preaching that must happen. Who was saved by preaching? Every one of us. Whether you realize it or not, at some point somebody preached to you. Whether it was the TV at 3 o'clock in the morning while you were drunk, somebody preached to you. Somebody, right? We've, I've heard so many of those testimonies. I don't even know how that channel got on. And they heard the gospel. So the preaching is important, but then the Bible doesn't just tell us to preach. That's, the, that's what's coming out of our mouth. But then the Bible tells us to do something with the people that we're preaching to as well, which is to make them. Everybody say, make, make. disciples. So Jesus told the disciples to make disciples. Just like Jesus, when he was in the beginning, and I'm going to look at that verse in 1 John. He was in the beginning and everything was created through him. Everything in creation, everything that is living, reproduces. 
There is nothing living that doesn't bring more life. It all brings life. So it would be natural that Jesus poured himself into his disciples. And if he is living, who believes that Jesus is living? He is life. That's what he called himself. He is living. He is the living word. He pours himself into you so that then you pour yourself into someone else. That is very, very simple. That is simple gospel, but it is also so amazing. It's simple, and yet it's incredible that God put the job of spreading him, his message, who he is, his love, his grace, his mercy, the cross through you. Isn't that an amazing thing that God has given you to do? And I just want to just, you know, I just want to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to get into tangents, but there are these doctrines floating around today that say that you don't have to be a disciple. You can be a believer, but not be a disciple. That there's two levels. That there's belief and believing in Christ and being saved, and then there's a disciple. I don't want to stand here and argue or teach for or against either. You can talk to me privately about that. But I do feel like the Holy Spirit, I do want to say this. Whether you believe that you can be saved by being a disciple or don't have to be a disciple, I'll just say that that's between you and the Holy Spirit. But if the Bible tells us to make disciples and Jesus came and had the most intimate, most special time with his disciples, why would anyone want to be anything less? And why would we ever want to give anything less? To me, it kind of answers itself, but I'll leave that there. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We must be disciples of Jesus. There is, I preached last week from John chapter 6, and it's such an incredible chapter. And I go to it often because it's so powerful. There was a crowd of people that was following Jesus. A literal revival was happening. They were following him. And yet, when it got right down to the fact that you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, it says in John 6, 6, 6, that many disciples walked away. They followed him no longer. And then he turns to Peter and he says, and to the other disciples, and he says, are you going to leave also? And Peter responds, Lord, where would we go? We realize, and remember Peter had that revelation, you're the Christ. They had come to the revelation of who Jesus was, and there was nothing else. And the thing is that I want to say this, that in order to be a disciple, you must be a follower. But not all followers are disciples. Let me say that again. In order to be a disciple, you must be a follower of Jesus. But not all followers of Jesus are disciples. Many, many followed him. And you can find that account, not just in John 6, but you can find that. There are crowd after crowd after crowd after crowd after crowd. And yet that says that the very same crowds stood and said, crucify him. The very same crowds that laid palm branches just five or six days, depending on how you interpret it, five or six days earlier, they're laying palm branches down, and then it's crucify him. And the point is, is that to be a follower is easy. It means you're curious. And in fact, you have to be a follower. It's at some point, it's going to be your curiosity in God that's even going to make you get near him. I'm only going to, I don't, either you're desperate or, or you're, and that's why I always say that people who go through hard times, it's easier to share the gospel with them than people who have everything and everything perfect in their lives. It's much easier when someone's going through a hard time because they realize their need for him. 
But so we must all get around him to find out just who he is and does he have what I need. And yet, that's not enough. I'm not here to tell you whether that's you or not. That's for you and the Holy Spirit to answer. But I do encourage you in this sermon today to ask yourself and ask the Holy Spirit, am I just in the crowd? Am I just following? Am I following Jesus as in John chapter 6 just for his stuff and so I can see miracles and so he can feed me and so he can take care of me? But then when he asks me to have an encounter with him, to actually be saved, to eat my flesh and drink my blood, that are we saying, Lord, now, I, you know, that's far enough. And that's what the Holy Spirit's asking us. In order to be a disciple, we must be followers of Jesus, but we're not just followers. Mom, we're not just following a crowd. We're following Jesus. Don't follow the crowd. Follow Jesus. Don't follow denominations. Follow Jesus, Right? And, I, and the, the Lord is not opposed to the denomination of itself, but sometimes people, they have been so into that denomination that now Jesus gets lost in translation. And they say, well, this is how we do this, and this is how we do that. What about how Jesus did it? That's my question. What about Jesus? What did Jesus say? What does his word say? And we see in Luke 5, chapter 11, I mean, Luke chapter 5, verse 11, that Peter and Andrew and James and John, they left everything and they followed Jesus. And it says in Luke chapter 13, and I'm just doing some review. I'm just kind of spilling from last week into this coming week here. It says in verse 24 of Luke 13, it says, work hard. Everybody say, work hard. Everybody say, don't work easy. (laughs) Remember the easy button? I bring that up. The easy button commercial. I love those commercials. They're really funny. And they're funny because that's not reality. We all wish it was that easy. Bam, easy button. But the kingdom is exactly the same. Anything that's worth it takes work. Can anybody agree with me? It takes work. It really does. Good things in life that God has granted you. Everything's a gift from God. There's nothing that you have worked hard for, really. I mean, all of it. I borrowed the Lord's oxygen while I was working hard for myself, right? right? I was using his oxygen. So really, it's all from him. It's all through him. It's all for him. It's his glory. Nothing else without him. Let's just say that first. But meanwhile, using his oxygen for his glory, working alongside of him, he tells us to work hard. You cannot work hard in your own strength. It's impossible. And yet, though, he still does tell us to work hard to enter the narrow door. Everybody say the narrow door of God's kingdom. We should not forget these verses. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord and how long you've believed. We should read these verses often. Often, we should constantly read these verses and say, yes, Lord, it is a narrow way. Now, it doesn't matter how narrow it is, if we are walking with Christ, he will lead us, the Bible says, that the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. So it doesn't matter how narrow and treacherous and how much trouble and calamity is in your way, if you're trusting the Lord, he will lead you every single step. Just as he led his disciples, and then when he left this earth in the body, he promised them persecution, but he said, but the Holy Spirit will be there with you. I will not leave you as orphans. The Lord has not left us. He's walking with us today. Is this making sense so far? Is my pace okay? We're getting this. So it says, for many will try to enter, but will fail. Many will try to enter God's kingdom, but will fail. It says, when the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, but we ate 
and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. It's not enough to just eat and drink. I was in your presence. God, I I went to church. God, I, I listened to Christian radio. I was around the things of God. I followed those that followed. (laughs) Come on. Lord, I followed those who followed. That's what they're saying. That's basically what they're saying. Because their disciples were right next to Jesus. So in order for this occurrence, for the Lord to be saying this, that means they were near him, but they were not his disciples. They were around the things of God, and yet... They still committed evil. And I want to get to that. I don't, want to, I don't want you to run out of the church yet and say, well, it's not us anyway. It's God's grace. But let me explain. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 14, another large crowd was following. Verse 25. Everybody say it was a large crowd. There were many large crowds. Many were following Jesus. And he turned around and he said in verse 26, if you want to be my disciple. So there was a crowd that followed and then there were disciples. There was a crowd that followed, but then there was disciples. If you want to be my disciple. And I love how the NLT translates this because if you've ever heard this verse, it seems very, very harsh. But I believe the NLT puts the perfect description of in here of what this verse means. You must hate everyone else. Everybody say, you must hate everyone else. But what he really means is, and the NLT actually says it right there, by comparison, your love for God, your walk with him, the relationship you have with God is so close that even your father and your mother and your wife and your children, that's a hard one. We can, these are all hard but especially children, right? Brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Who loves the Lord so much? And I love Jesus' words so much. I love that he was truthful with us. And I love that these words are not hard when you walk with him, is it? They're not hard. It's not hard to do when you love him. You just say, yes, Lord, you want my life? You can have it. Come on, who has said that to him? You want my life? You can have it, Lord. And then it says, he goes on and he says, verse 28, don't begin until you count the cost. Isn't this interesting? Imagine me as an evangelist out having a salvation crusade. And we're, we want to, we, we sometimes, and the Lord, <laughs> the Lord spoke to me a long time ago that I don't need help with you selling my gospel. You don't need to sell me. We'd be like, you want the best life? You want this? You want that? <laughs> and it was like, who has heard those? Listen, I'm not, are any of those things not true? It's all true. Of course it is. There is no such thing as life without him, to be frank. There is nothing but death without him and nothing but life with him. So it's not a lie. But Jesus said, don't begin until you count the cost. You must understand what this means to walk with with Jesus. If you really want to walk with him, and this is why many turned and left. It's, It's the saddest thing for me, first of all, as a believer, but second of all, now as a preacher, it's the saddest thing for me to read and then to live is when people get to this point with him and they can't go any further, where Jesus starts saying, now give me everything. I love the honeymoon. Come on. <laughs> we all know that, that part with Jesus. I love it. And in fact, it doesn't really have to leave But what happens? What does that mean? Where do we get that term from, right? The honeymoon's over. What does that mean? Does that mean you're not married anymore? It just means that, hey, now life begins and bills show up, kids start crying, and so on. But, you know, just as a husband and wife, and and the Bible compares our relationship with Jesus, and I bring that up often because that's really an amazing picture that he gave us, the oneness of a husband and wife is the oneness with us in Christ. 
that when the baby's crying, it might be tired and stressful on your body, right, and on your mind, but if you find a place of peace, that, hey, this is all good. This is part of the process. And if we do that with Jesus, when, when, when things are crying, and, right, and the Lord's saying, now give me that, and your flesh starts crying, if you just come to the place of peace and say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to assume, Jesus, that you know best, and I'm going to give it to you. And when we do, it's not hard any longer. These costs mean nothing to us. In fact, Jesus said that when we truly understand what the cost is, he said, you will take everything. And there's a couple parables that give us this scenario. And he says, you will sell everything and go and buy Come on, you'll get rid of everything once you realize. Don't start until you count the cost, but once you realize who Jesus is, the cost means nothing. (laughs) The cost is irrelevant now. He said, for who would begin construction without calculating the cost to see if he had enough money to finish it? And he says, otherwise you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. A lot of people start, they say, I'm saved, I'm saved, and they're running around telling everybody they're saved, and then the Lord says, now I need you, I want to help you change, and they're not willing, and then they leave, and then the world laughs at them. We can see that. The, world, the word is so relevant, 2018 relevant. The word is so relevant, and it always stays relevant, no matter the culture, no matter the country. It says they would say that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. He says, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Without giving up everything you own, you cannot be my disciple. What he's really telling us to do is take the time to sit with Jesus. Come on, and we say this often. Let him come through your heart. Let him deal with you. Don't stop. Don't get started and then say, wow, this was more than I expected. Just expect right from the beginning that you are going to die. (laughs) It is not your life anymore that you are now living for him. If you get that in your head from the beginning, then you're not surprised when the bills show up. Does that make sense? Let's just get that over with right now. If you're expecting a bed of roses, then you are going to be surprised when people start saying, I hate you just because you believe in Jesus. But Jesus told us that, so if we listened to him, he'd warn the disciples and he warned us so that then we're not surprised and I'm not offended. I am not offended when they say, I hate you. I'm not offended when they say, I don't like your Jesus. My heart breaks for them just like Jesus did. But I'm not offended. We must give up everything so when everything is taken from us, we're not surprised. This making sense so far. See, Jesus said we need to be disciples, and then he said, he said, I want you in Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and verse 20, teach these new disciples, come on, we need to read the word. The word is so good. I love his word. I I can't say it enough. I love the Bible so much because it is so, the truth of his word, it sets us free. The Bible says the truth will set you free. And when you are searching, you will find. I'm searching for truth. And as I scour his word for truth, I'm finding it and it's setting me more and more and more free. And I love that freedom that we have in him. He says, teach these new disciples to obey, or to, you may have it in your translation as observe, which doesn't mean to look at sin. Okay, yep, I've seen those before. So obey, I think, is very accurate. Teach these new disciples to obey 
all the commands I have given you. So let's look at the picture. Jesus poured his life. He poured his life into his disciples. He poured his love into his disciples. We cannot do it without love. And that's in my notes, but I'm just going to say it now because you know me. may not get to it. You cannot do it without love. I cannot just give law. I cannot just give command. It won't come out of me right without love. It must be with love. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He literally showed us a selfless. There was no self. He had no ambition. He had nothing he was trying to achieve, except he said, I do only what the Father tells me to do, and I say only what the Father tells me to say. Period. And it says that he was tempted in all ways that us as men and women are tempted and stayed pure and clean. So he listened to the Father in everything, and yet to be, for his blood to be equal to yours on the cross, he was equally tempted to the ways that we are. And he said to obey all the commands. So there is, he poured his love, he poured his grace, he showed them how he cared for the people, and then he did give the disciples commands. Come on, we, can't, we cannot get Jesus without this part. We have to remember this part. This is a part of Jesus. The Bible says God is love. It is his nature. It is his DNA. And yet he said, I want you to pour into them what I poured into you, and part of that are my commands. Why does God give us commands? Is God harsh? Is God asking for us something that we are not able to do? The Bible tells us that we are able, come on, we are able to overcome every single thing. And there are multiple verses that create that picture, that verse that I'm just saying right now. There are multiple verses that tell us there is nothing and no one that can stop us. There is no sin that overcomes you without you also having the ability to overcome it through the Holy Spirit. Why does he give us commands? Because of his love for us. God's love for us, his grace for us, his mercy for us is so good that he gives us commands. And you hear me say it often, the stop sign is on that corner for a reason. He is not being harsh. The town of Wappingers wasn't like, I'm going to make everybody on this St. Nicholas stop here because I love seeing people waste time. Instead, they said, you know what? That's kind of a pretty busy main road right there. Why don't we put a stop sign right here? Because if we don't, we'll pro we probably will see more deaths happen right here at this intersection. So the Lord puts places, he puts stops in our lives to keep us from calamity, to keep us from death. Now, who has ever run a stop sign? Let's just be honest. Who got away with it? Who got caught? <laughs> now, you're laughing because you got caught by the police, but what if you got caught by another car that you killed a kid in? We wouldn't be laughing. The Lord is calling us to be disciples, and part of being a disciple is doing what he says, being obedient. We must be obedient to him. I'm telling you guys, I'm warning you. I know this is a small crowd, but listen to me, please. And the Holy Spirit's been saying this for a long time, but we must listen. There is a doctrine that the Bible warns us about. Doctrines of demons, the Bible warns us that would come in. It says, you can walk with Jesus, but not have to obey him. That Jesus obeyed for you that he obeyed, went to the cross so you don't have to obey. Obedience is good for you. That'll be, give you a better life, but it's not necessary to walk with Jesus. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. I mean, it's just common sense. It's just common sense. 
that when he said, don't murder, come on, it's not rocket science. The Bible's so simple. But then we get to the verses, like I say, that we don't, we say, well, that's easy because that's not my issue. I don't have anger in my heart, Lord. But then we get to the one where we can't conquer. You got lust in your heart and you can't conquer that. So what we do is we just skirt around it and we say, well, thank you for the command, but also thank you for your grace. Now I'm just going to live in this place of grace, you know, keeping me in my sin. And that's not the Bible. The Bible tells us to teach the disciples to obey some of what I told you. He said, all of the commands I've given you. He said, all of the commands. A disciple is basically this. The Greek calls it a pupil. You have a teacher and you have someone who's learning. But the idea of a disciple is not to just be a learner. Although we will never, ever be fully Jesus, the idea is that we become more and more and more and more and more like him every single day. And it might seem corny, but the next time you're about to sin, look at your wrist where you should have that little bracelet, WWJD. It might seem corny, but ask yourself, would Jesus do this? I'm angry at somebody because, you know, Mariah, she was mean to me. And you know what? I didn't even deserve it. She was mean to me. And I'm just going to say, would Jesus stay mad at Mariah? What do we think the answer is? And as soon as you say, well, I'm not Jesus, (laughs) you are asking for the Holy Spirit to give you a spanking. He will teach you real quick. In fact, the Holy Spirit said to me recently, and this is just right from his word, but he said, all I want you to do is give people the same grace that I gave you. (laughs) That's what he's asking us to do. We expect, actually, we demand. We never, ever doubt God's grace. If you walk with him, and you slip up, you know his grace is there and it's instantaneous. You don't question, am I going to have grace this time? But yet when somebody slips up against you, I don't know why I'm going here, but it's the Holy Spirit. But when somebody slips up towards you, well, you're gonna, it's going to be three months, six months, nine months, maybe nine years before I forgive you. you need, I'm gonna, it's going to be time. Just like Jesus would do. When we're disciples, we have become like the master. There is a master. Jesus is called the master, rabbi, and rabboni. I mean, he was teacher. He was the master, the teacher, and we are the learner, the pupil. But we don't learn to just learn. Who wants to stay in school the rest of your life? Nobody. I didn't want to stay there the time I was there. (laughs) But you learned so that you became We learn Jesus. He puts it into us so that we become it. The obedience, in fact, just becomes part of us. You don't even have to try to obey. The more you walk with him, is it any hard for anybody to try to not murder in here? I'm trying. I'm trying, Lord. I want to murder so bad, but I'm trying. But then the Holy Spirit keeps working, and who's has, who has trouble with anger? Who has trouble with anger issues? Because Jesus said, have you got anger in your heart? To me, it's the same thing. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what do you mean? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about his grace? What about the cross? What about his blood? Why are you telling me something that I need to do? Jesus did all that for me. Well, then why did Jesus say, come on, <laughs> Let's just pull it up. I have it here. He said in Matthew 5, verse 17, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. 
He said, I tell you the truth, verse 18, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Now we say, well, his purpose was achieved on the cross, but I haven't seen heaven and earth disappear yet. Has anybody? Until heaven and earth disappear. So maybe his purpose isn't finished yet. And that makes sense because we are Christ's body on this earth. If it was finished, then we wouldn't be here, just so you know. Why would we be here if it was finished? It's not finished. The cross is finished, and now Jesus is living his life out through his believers, through his body. That's us. It says, verse 21, you have heard, everybody say, I've heard. It says, you must not murder. Yeah, we've all heard that. That's easy. I think Jesus does it on purpose. Yeah, we've all heard that. Duh. He does it on purpose. And he goes sharp, right? If, right let's just get right down to the nitty gritty. He says, but I say, verse 22, if you are even angry with somebody, right? If you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, I never have done that in my life. You are in danger of being brought before the court, and if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Now, these are the words of Jesus, and not Old Testament. This was Matthew chapter 5. And then people go, well, this is pre the cross. What are you left with after that? That's Old Testament. That's before the cross. I mean, then what do we study? What do we know? Well, I just know Jesus. Well, what Jesus? What Jesus is he? What's the Jesus I feel inside? Well, that's funny because I feel hungry right now. Does that mean that's Jesus? I mean, it's not feelings. It's not, we can't make it up. Am I being okay today? Sorry. <laughs> Man. Romans chapter 6, being disciples, it says, we must be obedient, right? Matthew chapter 28, disciples that obey. I don't want you just to preach. You need to preach. And they need to hear. And if they don't, if no one tells them, how will they hear? So there's the going, there's the telling, there's the preaching, but then there's the discipleship. And what? What does discipleship mean? Teaching them to obey. What is discipleship otherwise? What am I doing in discipling them? Well, I'm going to show you Jesus. Well, how do you do that? Well, just loving me. Well, how do I love you? I love you by telling you the truth. I love my children by teaching them in life, my, my greatest love that I can do for them, right? I'm laying down my life. I'm giving to them. I'm giving my life. And, and that's my greatest love. But the actual love that they're hearing in their ears is, listen, in life, this will make you successful. This will make you go to prison. <laughs> and the Lord is doing the same thing to his disciples. The disciples penned it down for me and you. And then we do the same thing with our disciples. We must speak the whole truth. And that is truly discipling. Romans chapter 6. So this is post-cross, post-Old Testament, post-blood. Come on. Maybe I'm warring with something out there on the internet, so you guys just got to give me some grace today. Maybe it's not for anyone here, but it's going out there, and I'm going to preach it because it must be preached. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Romans 6 verse 1. Disciples stop sinning. Disciples obey. Does that mean the disciples are perfect? Peter was a disciple. Was he perfect? No, but Jesus said, Satan sought to sift you, and I prayed for you. Satan was coming for him. Come on, don't think he's not coming for you. And Jesus is standing in the gap. But that does, does that mean that Peter stayed the same? He did not stay the same. Eventually, as I've preached many, many times, his warring ended. He put the sword down. Jesus said, you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And the sword went down, and then he lived by the sword of the word the rest of his life and even went to, the, to a cross like Jesus, on his, like physical cross. It says, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And who loves the Lord's grace? Who understands the depth? I mean, 
is incredible. But grace encourages me to want to love him more. How do we love the Lord? It's a very simple question. And we go, well, we love him. Uh, I love him because I love him. I don't know. I just feel it. I just love him. The Bible tells us exactly what loving Jesus is. It says this. It says in Matthew 14 and 15, but let me find the one I have here. It says, verse, let's go to chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 23. All who love me will do what I say. If you say you love Jesus, you do what he says. It's very simple gospel. We just complicate it because we don't want to be obedient. Verse 24, anyone who doesn't love me doesn't obey me. It's just straight up. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. And then he tells us in verse 26, and this is really the key, I'll send the advocate the, the healer, the helper, the Holy Spirit, my representative to teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. The law written on our heart and the Holy Spirit is prompting us. Come on, and I've preached this before and you know this, you cannot lie to me. You cannot lie to me that when the Holy Spirit and you said, yes, Jesus, today's a new day, and then you felt anger in your heart, the Holy Spirit told you immediately to stop and you didn't listen. Or he told you, don't you dare, and you're like, I'm gonna do it anyway. You know for a fact, and you cannot lie to me that the Holy Spirit came and convicted you. It, even a brand new believer, I've asked believers that kind of have come and gone, and I've asked them, I said, tell me the truth. Are you telling me that you felt no conviction? And it was just a simple prayer. Yes, Lord, I give you my life. And they go, well, nothing changed. Well, the Holy Spirit came to you and said, don't, don't talk like that anymore. Well, I want to talk like this. Don't do that anymore. Well, I want to do this. Don't drink anymore. Well, I want to drink. We just do what we want to do, but don't say that the Holy Spirit is not trying to help us. The Holy Spirit is there instantly, and you can't deny it. Anybody here want to deny it? Let's have a debate right now. <laughs> you can't deny it. The Holy Spirit helps you do it. You can't do it on your own. But what he said is, if you love me, you obey me. It's very clear. Back in Luke 6, I mean in uh, Romans 6, I'm all over the place. I have that too. He said, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Verse 2, and, we, and I love this verse, and I love this line. Everybody say it out loud. Come on, say it out loud. Of course not. Come on, I, I want to, I, I wanna, without, without sinning, without doing a Matthew 5 sinning and say the word idiot, so I'm just going to keep it real general. I'm not talking to anybody in here. I want to be like God is like, that's idiotic. That's really dumb. Are you telling me I went to the cross for you? Like, I had no sin. I had zero sin, and, and, and I stood in your place and shed my blood I let them beat me. I let them mock me, made fun of me, and, and, and went to the cross and died for you, but you just want to do what you want to do and you want my blood to cover it. The Lord's like, hey, uh, let's, we need to write the book of Romans because I think the early Christians are missing what I did on the cross. And make sure this book gets bound in leather. Of course not, you stupid idiot. <laughs> Just general, dangers of hellfire. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Disciples have died to sin because Jesus died and we died with him. Come on, the Bible is so crystal clear. All these other doctrines floating around. And, I'm, and I'm, it's not like you don't need to know because it's all out there. For You click on YouTube and you click Christian, you put on a music video, and all these things are floating. And I was having a conversation recently, and it was a really big pastor. And I'm not going to say his name because I'm not called to come against denominations. You never hear me mention specific ones or specific names. I'm just talking about the doctrine itself. But the person I was talking with said, well, 
Adam's this little guy in this little church, and this guy's a big guy with millions of followers, but I don't think this is the truth. And the, the reality is, it's because it wasn't from the word of God. It was his opinion. This is the word of God. That's why when you hear me preach, I don't have a lot of stories. I actually ask the Lord. I'm like, Lord, give me stories. Give me ways to convey your, convey your message more. You know what the Lord gives me? Verse after verse after verse after verse. You guys would laugh at my notes. People laugh at me going so long and I, as a joke, but that I can just keep talking and talking and talking. But I'm telling you, my notes are, I have Romans 6, and then I had Ephesians 5 after it. That's my notes. It's his word. His word says it right here. It's his word. His word is enough. And maybe we're spending too much time on all the fun little stories that get you laughing, and then you leave church, and you go, that was nice. That was fun. That was powerful. But I don't remember what he said. And verse 3 makes sense. He says, have you forgotten? Well, that was timely. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus in his baptism and we joined him in his death? These are disciples of Jesus Christ. We died and were buried with Christ by baptism and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also we live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also have been raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Come on, this is the truth. Jesus set us free. We didn't set ourselves free. It's not mind over matter. It's not you. It's not gritting your teeth. It's not getting in a posture that I'm going to make this happen. It's walking with Jesus. That's it. The disciples walked with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. And if you walk with him, if he is your master and I'm his disciple, then what am I going to walk like? Just like him. If I'm not walking like him, then I'm in the wrong footsteps in the sand. We love that, that he's footsteps in the sand and that's sweet. But that means that I'm walking with him. And that means that the cross is in my path. Also means that resurrection's in my path too. Thank you, God. It says, verse 8, since we died with Christ, we also know that we live with him. Verse 11, you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument. G the Bible is straight up. Don't tell me the Bible is not relevant. Because he's like, hey, 2018. Hey, 2018, where everybody's just everywhere. And you're using your bodies as all kinds of instruments. Use your body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Come on, the Bible is so good. Verse 14, sin is no longer your master. You are, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. See, now this is amazing. I love that that verse is right in there because everybody says we're free from the law. Well, you can't just say we're free from the law and then not read the whole chapter. Everybody goes, verse 14. Well, then what do you think he was talking about when he said, should we keep on sinning in verse 1? Yes, I'm free from the law because I don't go looking for what is right and wrong anymore. I just know inside me that's not right. That's what freed from the law means. It means I don't need someone to tell me any longer that being angry at Tony is not right. I'm angry at everybody today. <laughs> Something inside me says that's not right. I don't need to go to the temple because that's what they did. And listen, 
don't be angry with your brother. Now, the reason we still say it and we read the scriptures constantly and we come together is because we're dumb. Sorry, I mean, I'm including, I'm dumb. That's what I meant. And I need to hear it over and over again. Um, but I'm hearing what my, the Spirit's already told me. I already knew that the Spirit and the Word, they line up and they're agreeing with each other and tell me, yeah, that's right, Holy Spirit, and I've been ignoring you. And I'm sorry about that. And today I'm going to forgive him. Forgive you, Tony and Mariah. He said, well then, come on, it says, instead we live, verse 14 first, let's read the rest of that verse. It says, instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. Everybody who talks about God's grace. Come on. Grace, 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 grace. Who loves God's grace? Come on, let's say it again, because it is incredible. It's incredible. God's grace is so, um, it's amazing. Because what grace does is just, I, I was spending time with the Lord, and just in the three years of this church, just in that time, not my whole life, just in that time, the way I thought three years ago is black and white to today. And I've been thanking the Lord that he let me. We still started this, and I was still pastoring, and the Lord's still working out mental stuff in you. That's what grace is. I'm still pastoring and teaching and believing, but he's just taking out more. And I, and I'm as not patting, as nothing to do with patting myself on the back. I'm just saying that I'm so thankful for his grace that he let me keep growing and in his presence in that time and he's just taking more telling me give me more 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 and more of you and it's not the end <laughs> he's gonna keep asking for more but that's grace that is grace and I love that grace I said that just makes me say thank you more it just makes you makes you say thank you again and again and again wow lord just use the anger issue. Wow, Lord, because that's been coming up a lot. So that's something the Holy Spirit's dealing with. But Lord, you let me have anger, not permanently. Come on, this is his grace. You were dealing with me. You were taking layers and layers of it until finally I was free from that anger. I don't have that anger anymore. Not, well, I'm angry, but thank the, well, thank the Lord for his grace because that person's an idiot. Right? Matthew 5. Well, he's an idiot. I can say that because grace. I can say that. Thank you for your grace. It's done. The Lord's like, okay, we're going to deal with that heart. That's what he's saying to me right now. <laughs> it says, verse 15, well then, everybody say well then, and I'm wrapping up. Since God's grace has set us free from the law, come on, this is it. It says it straight up. Come on. I'm going to get on YouTube and just say this one line. Be the most unpopular channel on YouTube. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? It's black and white. It is right there. It says it. Come on. The only reason that these heresy doctrines are floating around is because nobody reads the Bible. They pick, you know, they get on Google and they find all the most famous verses and pull together the fun story and laughing and surfing and all the whatever sports and all these analogies. Come on, you've heard it all. And some of them encourage me, but that's not the gospel. That's not the word. It says, does that mean? He says it again, a second time. He's like, you know what? 2018 is going to need this verse because I don't think they're going to get it in verse one. They go, well, we've got God's grace. So, all right, we're going to have to deal with that. It says it straight up. Don't you realize, verse 16, that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Wow. You can be a slave to sin. It's a choice, which leads to heaven anyway. But you'll have less stuff there. 
You just won't be as blessed. You'll have a smaller mansion than Adam because he's a pastor. He just loves Jesus, and he had the big, this giant mansion in heaven. But you were a slave to sin, so you were going to have like a little condo over in the corner. (laughs) It leads to death. Come on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you warned me not to live mediocre. Lord, you warned me not to just be a follower, but to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to be a disciple that does what you say, because I don't want to go to death. I don't want to go to hell, but I want to go to heaven. Come on, this shouldn't be what we get saved from, but Romans 6 is like, listen, get saved because of the love of Christ, but if you won't get the love, I'm going to give you a little bit of fear. Because you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. When you choose to obey God, you haven't become righteous yet, and you're not doing anything righteous. The man on the cross just chose God. It is as simple. Salvation is as simple as a choice. It is that simple. The man on the cross never had a chance except just to say, this is God, and I know who he is, and I know who I am. I deserve to be on this cross. He doesn't. Okay, Jesus says we'll be in eternity together today. That's as simple as salvation is. But it leads to righteous living. If Jesus had said, you know what? I'm going to give you a second chance here on earth and put him down on the earth, he would not have been a murderer any longer. That's what he was. He would have been a Christ in. Come on. Everybody say it. I'm a Christ in. That's what that means. It's not a cute little label. But he says, thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly, everybody say, I wholeheartedly obey this teaching. Come on, what teaching? What's the point of teaching? To keep reminding me of what the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is like this back and forth. The Holy Spirit's already saying it, but the Holy Spirit prompted me to read it in the first place, and he's prompting the person who's teaching. The Holy Spirit is constantly doing something in you. And you are wholeheartedly just keep saying yes. And it says, now you are free from your slavery to sin. You've become slaves to righteous living. You're free from the power of sin and become slaves to God. It says, now do those things that lead to holiness and result in... What's that say? It says, I'm sorry, because I skipped ahead. That is verse 22. It says, you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you believe. What's that say? Believe. Why aren't you copying me? (laughs) Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. We know that. Now, go ahead, everybody together. Believe. Why is this not working? Why is this not lining up? Now you believe, of course you do. You wouldn't do it if you didn't believe it. Let's not talk about elementary things. Of course you believe in Christ. Demons believe and they tremble. You understand who he is. You have to. You have to believe before you can do. Right? Why would I do if I didn't believe? Well, all you have to do is believe. Well, that's funny because Romans 6.22 says, do those things that lead to holiness. And where? What do you mean result in eternal life? My eternal life is secured. Eternal security, baby. Wow, I'm, I'm hitting a lot of things today. Whew. Holy Spirit, man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Let's stand and just give him glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, for your glory. We thank you, Lord. It is all for you. Nothing else matters without you. I thank you, Lord. We get to walk with you. Lord, we are living life because of you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. It is only because of you. And it is true that whatever we do in you, Lord, that is the best for us. But I thank you, Lord, that it's so much greater It's so much more than this life. It's about eternity, Lord, not for ourselves, but for the entire world around us, that you saved us for a purpose so that we could reflect you on this earth. And I thank you, Lord. 
that it leads us and those around us, Lord Jesus, to holiness and eternal security, Lord, that's real. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory and just work in us today, Lord. Speak into our hearts, Lord. We surrender every single thing in us. We surrender our will. We surrender our pride to you, Lord. We surrender our hearts, everything that's holding us back, Lord, from completely and totally diving in and giving up everything. We surrender it today, and we walk with you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen.